Section twenty two of Not That It Matters by A. A. Milne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At the Bookstall. I have often longed to be a grocer, to be surrounded by so many interesting things sardines, bottled raspberries, biscuits with sugar on the top, preserved ginger, hams, brawn under glass everything in fact that makes life worth living at one moment to walk up a ladder in search of nutmeg at the next to dive under a counter in pursuit of cinnamon to serve little girls with a hayporth of pear drops and lordly people like you and me with a pint of cherry gin is this not to follow the king of trades some day I shall open a grocer's shop, and you will find me in my spare evenings, aproned, behind the counter. Look out for the currants in the window as you come in. I have an idea for something artistic in the way of patterns there. But as you love me, do not offer to buy any. We grocers only put the currants out for show, and so that we may run our fingers through them luxuriously, when business is slack. I have a good line in shortbreads, madam, if I can find the box, but no currants this evening, I beg you. Yes, to be a grocer is to live well. But, after all, it is not to see life. A grocer, in as far as it is possible to a man who sells both scented soap and pilchards, would become narrow. We do not come into contact with the outside world much, save through the medium of potted lobster, and to sell a man potted lobster is not to have our fingers on his pulse. Potted lobster does not define a man, all customers are alike to the grocer, provided their money is good. I perceive now that I was over-hasty in deciding to become a grocer. That is rather for one's old age, while one is young and interested in persons rather than in things. There is only one profession to follow: the profession of bookstall clerk. To be behind a bookstall is, indeed, to see life. The fascination of it struck me suddenly, as I stood in front of a station bookstall last Monday, and wondered who bought the tie clips. The answer came to me just as I got into my train. Ask the man behind the bookstall. He would know. Yes, and he would know who bought all his papers and books and pamphlets, and to know this is to know something about the people in the world. You cannot tell a man by the lobster he eats, but you can tell something about him by the literature he reads. For instance, I once occupied a carriage on an eastern line with, among others, a middle-aged woman. As soon as we left Liverpool Street, she produced a bag of shrimps, grasped each individual in turn firmly by the head and tail, and ate him. When she had finished, she emptied the ends out of the window, wiped her hands, and settled down comfortably to her paper. 
what paper you'll never guess i shall have to tell you the morning post now doesn't that give you the woman the shrimps alone no the paper alone no but the two together conceive the holy joy of the bookstall clerk as she and her bag of shrimps yes he could have told at once they were shrimps approached and asked for the morning post the day can never be dull to the bookstall clerk i imagine him assigning in his mind the right paper to each customer this man will ask for golfing wrong he wants caged birds that one over there wants the motor ah well the auto-car that's near enough soon he would begin to know the different types he would learn to distinguish between the patrons of the dancing times and of the vote the era the athenaeum delightful surprises would overwhelm him at intervals as when a red-letter day in all the great stations a gentleman in a check waistcoat makes the double purchase of homer's penny stories and the spectator on those occasions and they would be very rare his faith in human nature would begin to ooze away until all at once he would tell himself excitedly that the man was obviously an escaped criminal in disguise rather overdoing the part after which he would hand over the winning post and the animal's friend to the pursuing detective in a sort of holy awe what a life but he has other things than papers to sell he knows who buys those little sixpenny books of funny stories a problem which has often puzzled us others he understands by now the type of man who wants to read up a few good jokes to tell them down at old robinson's where he is going for the weekend our bookstall clerk doesn't wait to be asked as soon as this gentleman approaches he whips out the book dusts it and places it before the raconteur he recognizes also at a glance the sort of silly ass who is always losing his india-rubber umbrella ring Halfway across the station he can see him, and he hastens to get a new card out. Or we would let you have it for seven and sixpence, sir. And even when one of those subtler characters draws near, about whom it is impossible to say immediately whether they require a fountain pen with case, or the life and letters reduced to three shillings sixpence, of major general clement bulger c b even the man behind the bookstall is not found wanting if he is wrong the first time he never fails to recover with his second bulger sir one of our greatest soldiers i thought of these things last monday and definitely renounced the idea of becoming a grocer and as i wandered round the bookstall i came across a little book sixpence in cloth a shilling in leather called proverbs and maxims it contained some thousands of the best thoughts in all the language such as guided men along the path of truth since the beginning of the world from what ho she bumps to ich dien and more 
the thought occurred to me that an interesting article might be extracted from it so i bought the book unfortunately enough i left it in the train before i had time to master it i shall be at the bookstall next monday and i shall have to buy another copy that will be all right you shan't miss it wondering now what the bookstall clerk will make of me a man who keeps on buying proverbs and maxims well as i say they see life End of section 22.